0: Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter, I'm Ashraf Engineer. The rise of the right wing has led to an increasingly vociferous demand for the abolition of reservations for underprivileged groups such as scheduled castes, scheduled tribes, other backward classes and tribals. Reservations were introduced to correct a centuries-old imbalance in Indian society that made the upper castes extremely powerful and rich while keeping other castes crushingly poor and low in status. That imbalance has not been corrected yet and reservations continue, though they are under increasing attack. Reservations still shape the polity of India profoundly. Today, therefore, I want to talk about reservations and the critical role played by V.P. Singh who, as Prime Minister, implemented the recommendations of the Mandal Commission, providing reservations for the first time for other backward classes or OBCs in government services. His decision sent shockwaves through Indian politics, the impact of which is felt even today. Depending on where you stand, VP Singh is a messiah or a demon. This makes VP Singh a key figure in the transition years of India moving from a being a Congress dominated country to a Bharatiya Janata party dominated one. All Indians matter. I am very pleased to have on the show Debashish Mukherjee, who has been a journalist for more than 40 years, specializing in Uttar Pradesh and national politics. He's the author of the recently published, much acclaimed biography of V.P. Singh called The Disruptor, How Vishwanath Pratap Singh Shook India. But I'm even more pleased because Devashish and I were colleagues at the Hindustan Times for many years and his book and now this episode allows me to reconnect with him and relive my journalism days. Welcome Devashish. Thank you Ashraf. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome and thanks for making the time Devashish. Let's get right into it. Debashish V.P. Singh implemented the Mandal Commission recommendations by introducing 27% reservations in central government services for OBCs. Already, there were reservations for SCs and STs. So, why was this decision momentous?
1: SCs and STs are not part of the caste system. Now, this is uh, important to understand that they are not part of the traditional Hindu caste system. SCs are the former untouchables who were uh, a certain set of people who carried out the particular menial occupations, which were considered so unclean that other castes would not even touch them. You know, such as um, skinning dead animals or cleaning lavatories and all that. So, they are not included in the caste system. Well, STs are scheduled tribes who lived in uh, mostly forest and uh, remote areas. And again, they were not considered part of Hindu society so at independence in a bit to correct this discrimination that scs had faced and what you can call alienation that sts had faced these two groups were given reservation in government jobs right so uh, in the traditional hindu caste system there are just four groups or varnas that is the priestly caste that is uh, brahmins the warrior caste that is uh, kshatriyas the merchant caste that is vaishyas And the rest, the rest were shudras, that is those who carried out hundreds of other tasks that involved physical labor, but were not seen as necessarily unclean from farming or carpentry or um, or whatever you call it. You know, there are so many other tasks that involve physical labor. Now, these shudras are today known as OBCs, right? So, they had also been discriminated against to some extent, but not to the extent that the SCs were. So, they never had the reservations in uh, central government. They had reservations in some state government jobs, but never in the central government. So, when BP Singh in, implemented what was called the Mandal Commission Report, It led to them getting uh, 27% reservation in central government jobs and central government undertakings. And this was in
0: 1990. I remember I was a teenager and I recall vividly the firestorm of protests that followed. Could you detail them for us?
1: Yeah, see, there was tremendous backlash uh, from the upper caste who felt that they were being discriminated against, you know, uh, in turn. That the OBCs did not deserve uh, any such boost like the SCs because they had not been that badly treated. And they felt that uh, government uh, merit concept of merit in government job appointments was being uh, seriously uh, compromised. Now, protest rose, but what made this protest so unique was that some young protesters began setting themselves on fire in protest. You know, there were some one fifty such cases of which sixty two died. You know, at least that's what I found in my researching that. Book, By yeah?
0: God, I mean, that's a massive number.
1: <laughs> massive, yeah. So this created um, you know enormous uh, resentment against uh, the. V.P. Uh, Singh, among the upper castes. And uh, sort of he had been that hero earlier and when he was campaigning against uh, Rajiv Gandhi's uh, corruption and now he became their biggest villain. And then these self-immolations and protests continued until some people went to court against this um, decision of V.P. Sings and to find out whether it was constitutionally viable or not. So, then, uh, so when it went to court, the court stayed it and Supreme Court stayed the decision. So then only then did this protest uh, stop. You know. But two years later, uh, yeah, the court upheld it. Yeah, yeah. And then there were no protests again. I mean, and since then, it's been on. It's, uh, in 93, it was upheld. And from 95, we've had this 27% uh, reservation for OBCs and central
0: services. You spoke about the emulations. I think uh, if my memory serves, the most famous case was that of Rajiv Goswami, who set himself on fire and subsequently passed away later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: He was the first. He was the first. Yeah, he was the
0: first. Debashish over time, has the fear that those castes excluded from this reservation would have their job prospects jeopardized proven to be true?
1: No, I mean, you can see today's reality shows that their job prospects have not been in the least jeopardized. But the main reason for that is that central government jobs constitute only 1% of total number of jobs. And Singh emphasized that a n- number of times, but people were not willing to listen. It was more of an emotional reaction. And it would never have seriously jeopardized the upper caste job prospects, except in, yes, in the central services, obviously. Central services are so very, very small. And secondly, now the whole tendency for, since uh, liberalization has been for the public sector to shrink and the private sector to expand. So, And there That's is awesome. no reservation in the private sector. So, there is no problem for the upper-castes at all.
0: How did the mandalization change the politics of India? Yeah, actually, mandalization was supposed to change the bureaucracy,
1: right? The bureaucracy had very little representation of OBCs and that is why it was brought in. But in fact, whether it has changed the bureaucracy or not, nobody really has done any study. But in fact, it has changed the politics of India, of North India especially. And that happened because, ironically, because of this uh, pure fire, firestorm of protests that you were speaking about, you know, if there had not been such a strong reaction, I think it would not have been, the impact would not have been so much. It sort of taught the OBCs how much they matter and the sheer size, they became aware of their sort of strength and political identity and strength as a group. And they began asserting it collectively. So earlier, they would scatter their votes, you know, went to any party or any candidate they liked. But now they began voting as an OBC block, or rather some of the bigger OBC castes like Yadavs and Kurmis began voting together for one particular candidate or for one particular party. And that had a tremendous impact, basically. That had a tremendous impact yeah. in swaying the
0: votes. Yeah. If, if memory serves, uh, the Mandal Commission actually estimated that OBCs comprised 52% of the population. 52, so, what yeah, you're 52, saying about. 52, uh,
1: 52. But since then, there have been these other surveys which um, um, put it as yeah. slightly lower, you know, um, 35, 40, but still that's a hell of a lot. 42. That's
0: a huge number, massive number still. Mm. Yeah. And how did uh, all of this contribute to the destruction of the Congress in the crucial northern states of Uttar Pradesh and Bihar?
1: Yeah, that was the main impact of Mandal. Both UP and Bihar, the Congress had forged a winning combination at once independence came of what is um, political scientists called a um, coalition of extremes, which meant that the upper castes who had led the independence struggle and the SCs, that is the Scheduled caste together with the Muslims, who also had the uh, Muslims on their side, they used to vote for the Congress. Whereas the OBCs were, uh, some voted for the Congress without much awareness of themselves being OBCs, and some voted for the opposition parties. And somehow they were not enamoured of the Congress, and Congress also had not made any effort to win them. So once they began voting as a bloc, you know, then they strengthened the opposition to such an extent that both in um, UP and Bihar, the Congress was finished. Thing is, up to 1989, the Congress used to get at least one-third of its Lok Sabha seats from UP and Bihar and thereby rule the country. And thereafter, it, today it gets almost nothing at all, five, ten seats maximum or even less. Yeah, even, I think 2-3 seats. So that change has come about because of OBC awareness and the OBC's decision to vote for other parties.
0: So Devashi shares the question messiah or demon was uh, this political opportunism by V.P. Singh or was he sincere in wanting to do something about caste?
1: See, it was definitely a combination of both as it is for most uh, politicians. Yeah. So he was always um, um, keen to support the deprived sections in uh, Indian society. Yeah, that is part of his record. But it is also true that he had been put in a spot at that time because of the deputy prime minister, Devi Love. I've explained that in my book, you know, that once they fell out, then BP Singh was sure that Devilal would break the party and take away as many MPs as he could. So, he thought he would, by implementing this report, by bringing in this 27% reservation, he could keep the OBCs in the party, OBC MPs of the party on his side. So, that's why he did it. It didn't work out that way eventually, but, but that is another matter. That It was a combination
0: of motives. Since that decision, various other groups have demanded and received reservations. On the other hand, there are many who say reservations don't work and that is why they should be abolished. Seems to me that if they didn't work, people wouldn't want to be included in the list. What's your view? No, obviously what you said is absolutely right that if reservations didn't
1: matter, there would be no demand for them. (laughs) But we should have a, um, a realistic view of reservations. As I said, the um, public sector jobs comprise a very small section of jobs, you know. So, therefore, it's not going to completely transform the fortunes of any caste or anything, but it gives them a psychological boost. Two things. One is they were indeed underrepresented very um, very much. So, uh, I mean, in uh, V.P. Singh's time, uh, it, it was 14% their uh, representation in the central government services, whereas, as we have seen, the percentage of the population is... You know, up to 50 percent or maybe a little less, but their representation was much less. So, that obviously has grown in the last um, 30 years uh, since um, the UPC um, took his decision. But reservations alone cannot change the bottom of any caste, as I have said. So, to that extent, they don't work. I mean, they do create a small uh, privileged section among castes, but it is more of an emotional hmm. issue. It's very much yeah. an emotional
0: issue. And how do you see the demand for the abolition of reservations panning out? Uh, can any government afford to undo them or even water them down?
1: No, I don't think reservations can ever be abolished, obviously. As long as we have democracy in this country, no government can water them down. Even any government who does to it will lose all the votes uh, of the reserve section. The people will be removed. But, you know, where as I said, only a microscopic minority from that community may have benefited from Reservation, but I can be—I'm pretty sure that if they remove it, uh, that entire community is not going to vote for that particular party again. So it's impossible. There are some, you know, what what can be called uh, anomalies in the reservation process which need to be corrected, of course. But even those, I think, will never be corrected. Like one of them is like uh, even if not thanks to reservation, but uh, thanks to uh, socioeconomic changes any caste which was included in this backward uh, OBC list sort of moves out of it. If they start doing very well overall, uh, I don't think any government will have the courage to remove them from the OBC list, saying that you guys are well off enough, uh, you should not get reservation because then again the consequences will be severe. And what that means, however, is that castes which are really backward and don't get that much of a chance. Because uh, any kind of affirmative action helps those who are best prepared to take advantage of it. Um, you know, they, they, if you are reasonably well-educated only, then you can get a government job, whether you are an OBC or, or IC or ST or not. If you are, you know, on well, the streets, uh, uneducated, you will never be able to. So, the, the better off, obviously, benefits. That is a given part of affirmative action everywhere, even in the U.S. or wherever. But, but uh, to that extent, uh, I, I don't think it, is planning, um, to, um, it can, it can ever be abolished, let alone uh, it can't even be watered. And down.
0: So that brings me to my next question, actually, Devashish. How have reservations worked? Are there any studies on them contributing to the social and economic balance that I mentioned earlier? Or I should say contributing to the correction of the social and economic balance that I mentioned?
1: I think to expect it to is, um, do so is itself uh, unrealistic. Because the number of jobs involved are very small over many years with reservation in educational institutions, you know. So then you create a whole sort of class of young people from these particular sections who are qualified enough to, you know, be considered for these jobs. And um, as far as I know, job quotas have not been fulfilled here, even now, even now, be it OBCs, be it SCs or STs, uh, there is a backlog. And the backlog exists because just because there are not enough people who can satisfy even the minimum qualifications. You may say that merit is, uh, is compromised, but even then, those who are taken get, uh, have to pass an exam and uh, pass an interview and all that. And enough suitable candidates are not found. And that is why that is what they call um, um, gaps, basically, that quotas are not fulfilled. However, there is, of course, this thing that it has also led to the growth of an urban middle class of scs sts and obcs obcs also last 25 years so this which did not exist earlier and who still didn't are quite capable of competing on par with the upper caste. that that they are and and they have also have this advantage that they get reservation of course so into that to that limited section it has brought equality
0: devashish on a different note vp singh is very much the architect or pioneer of coalition politics in india isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yes, he was very much so. He he began the first uh, coalition government in the center and the trend of coalition governments or minority governments uh, continued for the next 25 years till 2014 when uh, the BJP came to power um, uh, and won enough seats to form the government on its own. Though it remained an India government, it still remains. So, uh, for a quarter century, uh, the uh, president, he had set continued. And also, I think that in the long term, at some stage, India is a very diverse country and one-party rule may change, though there is no immediate prospect of it happening. It is true. Uh, The BJP seems very much in uh, control. But um, as I said, India is is a large country and many, many different kinds of people and coalition governments uh, are better, you know, represent their various interests. That are there
0: in India. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you surprised that V.P. Singh's so-called Mandalite inheritors, Mulayam Singh, Yadav, Lalu Prasad, Yadav, who headed governments in Uttar Pradesh and Bihar respectively, have been reluctant to invoke his legacy or honor it in any way?
1: I think both Mulayam Singh and Lalu Yadav wanted to um, promote themselves and their families and no one else. And that is why they never invoked uh, V.P. Singh's legacy. Yeah, but, but they were not even able to consolidate the OBCs the way it had been uh, expected because of their focus on their own cars. Other OBC cars moved away from them, both in uh, UP and in Bihar. So naturally, they, they did not invoke BP integrity. legacy. And uh, also, I think they were, of course, they owe a lot to BP and there was some, um, you know, at a personal level, much um, animosity between Mulam Singh and VP Singh. That is also, I found...
0: Yeah, I think they fell out at some stages. I think if you, that's what you write.
1: Yeah, they, they were always kind of rivals. Yeah, yeah they, they were um, always yeah. sort of didn't try to get along mm. at all. Yeah, yeah. So, tell us about the
0: book. How did it happen?
1: No, it happened mainly because I stumbled upon this, uh, you know, huge, uh, voluminous, uh, unpublished interview of VP Singh in the Nehru Memorial Library. You know, I it was largely by chance. You know, I read a reference to it somewhere, and being a member of the library, I just looked for it, and it was there. And it was full of amazingly vivid quotes from V.P. Singh. He is very eloquent in in, in and, and very down to earth in his uh, uh, speech, in his uh, spoken words. You know, he's um, it comes as a very interesting detail and uh, images and all that. It's, his his conversation is full of that. So, um, reading through part of it, I felt that this could make a book, you know, and then I, of course, added to it a whole lot of other stuff. I met all his, um, all the people who had worked with him, and um, and alongside that, of course, and uh, I lived in Lucknow, I know UP, you know, so I have traveled in every district, so I felt I could handle this. That was the reason all three put together, and there was no, you know, sort of um, um, detailed biography of his uh, Yeah. How did you research it? Yeah, what? I mean, one is uh, talking to uh, as many people as I could find who had been close to V.P. Singh and were still living because, um, you know, they would all be fairly old. And one of them, is Sompal, if you had a look at the book, you know, he was very, very helpful. And he, and again, he was very vivid in his recollections. He had a near photographic memory, it seemed to. And of course, I looked up other lightings and newspaper archives and all the books that have been written. He to probably his family also, of course. Yeah, of course,
0: his family. So,
1: it was all put together.
0: So, what's next for you?
1: <laughs> so I'm still trying to decide. Let's see. I'm playing with some ideas.
0: Yeah. Oh. Right. So, Devashish, here's a question I ask all my guests at the end of the show. Why do you do this work?
1: Oh, because I was a reporter in Lucknow and then the Ayodhya movement took off, this particular book, you know, in the, in the late 1980s, uh, which led to the development uh, that somewhat uh, of Shed in Indian politics, you know, in, or Indian history, even the demolition of the Babri Masjid, you know, so I covered that very closely. And then again, you spoke of Mandal report and the agitation against it. Again, that was something I covered closely. So I had met V.P. Singh a few times. So that period of Indian history when V.P. Singh dominated the political scenario is something that I had covered as a reporter. That's why, and then uh, of course, I had retired from a full-time job. So, I had a little more free time. I could never have done this book without, uh, I mean, with a job, with a full-time job. So, all this put together, yeah, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you, the listener, has a point of view, we'd love to hear it. Mail us at editor at allindiansmatter.in. Devashish, thanks so much for being on the show. Reservations are important and continue to be much needed, especially at a time when pressure on lower castes is rising and imbalances in society are in stark focus. Thank you, thank you, Afsharp. Thank you all for listening. Please visit AllIndiansMatter.in. That's A W L I N D I A N S M A W T E R dot i n for more columns and audio podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashraf Engineer. That's A S H R A F E N G I N W R and All Indians Count. That's A W L I N D I A N S C O U N T. Search for the All Indians Matter page on Facebook. On Instagram, the handle is All Indians Matter. Email me at editor at AllIndiansMatter.in. Catch you again soon.